Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Rob here. This podcast has gotten out of hand to where it's something that I wanted to start doing for fun, and I've had amazing conversations. There's a lot of podcasts I haven't even published yet, and I need to get on it. Uh, the people that I have on the show are amazing. Uh, just, I want you to hear these so bad, but I just am so wrapped up in what's going on with myself and my life, and now I'm planning a wedding and going through this chemo treatment as long, along with going to school and trying to get my master's and working. I'm just I'm swamped, and none of this, none of this is an excuse. All of this is just me blabbing, and I'm not making it a priority. So this is me making it a priority. Lawrence Sprung has an amazing story. I don't want to talk about it beforehand. I want you to listen to it. This is going to be about mental health. This isn't a interview. This is more of a conversation. Uh, this isn't something that I knew that I needed to do. Uh, but this year, I started paying attention more to my mental health. And it's one of the most painful experiences that I've had to go through. But it's paying off in dividends. And I can see the progress in myself. This conversation means a lot to me. It also means a lot to Lawrence and his family. So I'd really appreciate it if you just liked this podcast and went ahead and follow him. He's an amazing person. These podcasts do mean a lot to me, and I'm going to be putting some more of them out. So please hold me to that. Follow me on Instagram. It's I am Rob Childs. And if you don't hear a new podcast every Monday, send me a DM, blow me up, whatever you got to do. This is something that I need to stick to. And here is Lawrence Sprung on A Fighter's Story. Thank you. Sounds okay and everything, yeah? Oh yeah, everything sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's finally good to get you on here, Lawrence. I know uh, we've been planning this for about a week, not too long, but it's uh, it's good to finally get together, get your story out there. Um, my name is Rob Childs, and this is Lawrence Sprung, um, and I am going to kind of hand the floor over to you. Let you kind of just do a little intro of your uh, your story a little bit, kind of what you do right now, and where you are. Yeah. So listen, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. It's uh, always a pleasure. And I, I don't take it lightly when somebody offers me the opportunity to uh, to come on and share my story with their audience. So uh, for that, I'm very grateful. And, and thank you for that. Uh, you know, just to give you a little background about myself, uh, I am the founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. We're a wealth management firm located in New York on Long Island. And uh, in addition to doing wealth management uh, stuff and working with people and helping them uh, design and develop financial plans and work towards their goals, I also am the host of the Midland Money Mindset, which is a, uh, a podcast that really focuses in on the financial money and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life in, you know, in and before retirement. Uh, and we have a lot of guests on that we talk about mindset about. Um, you know, that's a, a big topic of conversation. We talk with entrepreneurs, athletes, uh, NFL, NHL, uh, you know, all across the board. So I could go on and on, but uh, I know you wanted to talk about, you know, a, a 
good deal about my uh, involvement and um, you know advocacy around mental health and mental illness. So um, you know we could take it from there. Yeah, yeah for how you. You had actually interviewed uh, NHL, NFL, MLB players and kind of gone into like the mindset of working with everything. That's a big thing, especially now um, with like everything going on with the pandemic and COVID and how people are kind of responding. Um, I know there's like uh, companies like Better Health and things like that that are really seen to blow up, uh, allowing people to kind of get a therapist easier and easier access for mental health. And then you have this whole Simone Biles thing that happened. Um, to where that has kind of reached global stage of, uh, of mental health and mental awareness. Um, so I understand you have a, uh, a story about your, your uh, brother-in-law, sorry, um, and with uh, his battle with mental illness and how you actually didn't even really know what was going on at first. Would you mind kind of talking to us about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't know that uh, that I didn't know what was going on at first, but I, I think I had a hard time just to kind of start forwards and then go backwards. I think I had a hard time, you know, realizing and kind of reconciling that mental health could end up in uh, in death. Uh, that was, I think, the line that I had trouble drawing. But essentially, just to give you some background, so my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, uh, battled with. Uh, bipolar disorder. And, you know, he had uh, struggles with mental illness. And this is going back to, you know, 2004. So, uh, you know, about 17 years ago now, which is, um, you know, quite some time. And, and we could talk about some of those things you mentioned earlier, because I think things have changed quite a bit in the last 17 years. But just to give you a little background on him, you know, he, he was suffering from, like I said, bipolar disorder. And essentially, you know, he, he had a very difficult time navigating the, uh, you know, the mental health space, uh, finding the right doctors, the right medications, etc. And, you know, it just really opened our eyes as a family to how important mental health is and, you know, how it can impact a, a person, an individual, a community and, you know, family at, on, a, on a greater scale. And, you know, unfortunately, he had all the tools that you would think one would need in order to work their way through a mental health challenge or mental health struggle. He had a, a family that was supportive. He had an employer that was supportive. You know, he had all the infrastructure in place that would be needed. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not like a, uh, a disease like cancer or a disease like ALS, where you can visually see that somebody's struggling, they're having issues, their, their health may be compromised. You know, we're talking about a guy who went to the gym almost every day, was very well built, you know, handsome guy. And, you know, if you met him on the street, you'd think nothing was wrong. But fortunately, he was fighting these demons inside that you didn't see. And, you know, a couple of things that I've shared over the years is I remember very vividly when I moved into my first house, we were planting some trees in the backyard and he and I were doing it together. And he looked at me square in the eye and he says, you know, I'm running out of time, Larry. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. And I'm like, I don't understand. What do you mean? I was like, you have everything you need. We're all here. We're supporting you. You have all the time in the world to get better and work on yourself. And he said, you don't understand. He goes, I wake up every morning feeling like I have a 104, 105 degree fever 
and my body hurts, my body aches. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge to wake up every day. And, you know, unfortunately we gave them all the tools. We, we supported them of every, in every way we could. And, you know, unfortunately, September, 2004, we lost him. He died by suicide. And, you know, essentially that had, has really spurned uh, a desire in my life and my wife's life to really raise awareness around mental health, around suicide prevention, around, you know, the effects of it. And, you know, subsequently we've done a lot in, in that community, raising a lot of money that's been spent uh, in a good way through his name, the Keith Milano Memorial Fund, which is essentially a fund that's housed at um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, who happens to be one of the, if not the leaders in the space of suicide prevention and mental health. And, uh, you know, I know for a fact that our work in that area has been successful in saving other people's lives. So, you know, raising the money and doing great things is excellent, but even better than that is knowing the effects that we've had on people's lives and being able to provide them with hope and, and find resources and support that they need. Um, and that's, you know, more important than anything else we've done or, or we could do. And I think one of the things you hinted on earlier, you know, in regards to Simone Biles and, you know, some of the other things that we're seeing taking place, Michael Phelps being very vocal also in recent years and recently at the Olympics, you know, is one thing that we've seen change significantly in the 17 years since losing Keith is there has been a lot of headway made. You know, there has been a lot of uh, good things that have come out in the mental health arena. It's now um, not as taboo to have these conversations. People are talking about it. It's the Simone Biles of the world, the Michael Phelps, uh, you know, the, the other folks in, in other sports, some of the celebrities that we've lost uh, over the last several years that have really raised the bar and allowed people to feel more comfortable, to have conversations, seek help, seek guidance. And the more people that feel like they can do that, the better off we're all going to be because they're going to be able to get the support and resources they need. And it makes everybody else feel like it's okay for them to have a conversation and seek help. You know, it's like what they, what they're saying all over, you know, it's okay not to be okay. You know, everybody is not okay all the time. It just doesn't work out that way. Um, so it's important to be able to have these conversations and know that, you know, there are, there are people that you could come out to and have those conversations with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know myself, um, I've been going through like a pretty big issue, not just like a singular issue, but like during this whole pandemic, um, my diagnosis had actually gotten worse. I was on a clinical trial drug and it, it kind of turned my medical state into a negative state. Um, so I ended up getting on top of cancer. The clinical trial drug has given me uh, fibromyalgia which isn't something that's easily diagnosed, especially with everything else going on. And it messed with my mental state more than I actually realized that that was a thing. And you had mentioned something about uh, him going to the gym a lot and working out like, you know, throughout the week, that culture to me, um, you know, I was, that was, those were like my friends. That's where I went every day, you know, like going to the gym to me was after work, you go to the gym, and it's, it was that buffer between coming or like between like the chaos of work and going home and then, you know, getting into like 
doing my after work activities, like starting my own business and, and things along those lines. And unfortunately, that gym culture is not always the most positive. Sometimes it can be very demeaning. And as men, it's hard for us to actually reach out to everybody and say, you know, like, hey, I need help. Or, you know, I'm thinking about this and, you know, it, it's not right. And it, it's hard for us to kind of be able to actually express what's really going on. Because when somebody walks by and is like, hey, what's up? How you doing? It's just programmed in us to be like, oh, good, you, you know, and to not actually have a real meaningful conversation and be vulnerable is something that I feel like isn't, it's a, uh, it's a large issue all over the place, but especially within like the male community, just as men, I feel like we need to really be more vocal and open about it. So it is okay to be able to have these genuine conversations with people. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there's two components there that we have to kind of unpack. One is, you know, the gym from a, a standpoint of us feeling physically healthy helps our mental state, right? So you don't want to cut that out because maybe you can't be as forthright or don't feel as comfortable going right. to the gym because the gym itself has, you know, therapeutic benefits that help you both physically and mentally, you know, mm -hmm. there's proven studies about that, you know, I'll leave, I'll leave those uh, statistics to the scientists and the doctors, which I'm not, but there's definitely, I know for myself that, you know, if I have a stressful day, I go home, I exercise, work out, I definitely feel better. It's Problems don't go away, but I feel better. Right. Um, but, and to your point, you know, I think that this has been an issue with uh, men in particular. I think it's definitely gotten uh, better in recent years. Could it get even better? Yes, it definitely can. And it definitely will. Uh, you know, I, I'll share, I don't know if you're aware or your listeners are aware, there's a great guy who was a, um, a recipient of award uh, of AFSP, a Lifesaver Award uh, this past May, a guy by the name of Lorenzo Lewis. And um, he's an interesting guy. He created a nonprofit. Uh, he's a uh, black gentleman. And you want to talk about not having conversations as men that, you know, you could even amplify that even further in the black community and, and communities of color. It's even more amplified. It, it's, um, it's more taboo to have these conversations. And the interesting thing that he did was, is he started educating barbers because what he found was people of color go to their barbers, they go to the barber shop and people talk, people open up, they have conversations. So what he said is, you know what, if, if this community is not going to go seek advice and guidance, I'm going to bring the advice and guidance to them. And he started training barbers across the country to start identifying and training them on what to look at unbelievable, great guy. Uh, we haven't had him on the show yet, but he's scheduled shortly. We're going to have him on the show and just an incredible story. And we need more Lorenzo Lewis's of the world to kind of open up those conversations and have them uh, spearheaded. And, you know, the way I look at it right now is, and, and this will resonate with, you know, your listeners and as somebody who's, uh, you know, mom, uh, you know, died from cancer in 1997 and was diagnosed probably about 13, 14 years prior to that, I will tell you this, back then, cancer, we didn't know as much about cancer as we do today. It wasn't as treatable as it is today. And I know for a fact that my mom had friends and people that she knew that stopped associating with her because they thought they might catch cancer. Now, we know today there was no chance, but people were like, 
you know, they, they were unsure. And, and, you know, I see you laughing on the other end and I was laughing, but this was a, this was a reality. And if you think about it, what I equate mental health to today is kind of where cancer was back in the eighties and early nineties. We didn't know as much about it. We didn't know what really caused it. Some, you know, there was a lot of unknowns at this point, at that point, and we've come a long way since. And I feel like mental health is also in that same kind of early stages. We don't know a lot about it. We're learning a lot more. We're bringing it out of the darkness. We're having more conversations. And I think in another 10, 15, 20 years, we're gonna be having a much different conversation than we are today around uh, mental health. It's, it's just getting amplified. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I know like I brought up, uh, the male population and as, as a man, that's the only perspective that I can speak on. And I, I don't want to like say that women aren't having mental health issues. I actually believe that they were, they jumped on this way before men did. We were more apt to say, you know, that, that that's not something that we need to deal with. And, and you're hundred percent right. I do feel like we're kind of in the stone ages for mental health right now. And it is taking people like um, the person you mentioned going into barbershops and doing that. I've never actually thought about it from the, the black community's perspective. Um, being, being a white male myself, you know, it's kind of hard to have that perspective. Right. Um, but yeah, no, that's amazing to actually be able to go in and teach people to do that. Because for me, I, so I've gone through quite a bit. Um, a lot of my listeners know, um, we briefly talked, but um, after like the fibromyalgia thing, I was barely unable to or barely able to walk. Um, like I had to start wearing like a fanny pack just to be able to, I couldn't put things in my pockets. And so having to like sell my Harley, get rid of the Jeep, and then, you know, like buy a Subaru Outback and like have all of these like layers of what like I basically learned was my ego kind of like being stripped away into like, who am I really? And then, you know, like that was kind of like the argument that I had to have in my head of, am I okay with this person? And through going through like this mental health battle and trying to figure out exactly what it is that I really want and opening up and having discussions with some of my friends, I found out that it's, it's not just me. You know, there's a lot of people around me and they're feeling the same way. They're feeling afraid of having these conversations and, you know, like afraid of being judged by their male counterparts and their friends of, you know, like, don't be a baby, you know, don't be a expletive, you know, like whatever it is. And uh, unfortunately it's, you know, it's just now coming to light. Um, And it's taken people like you who have started this foundation um, and I know you have like a golf tournament coming up this coming month, I believe I was on your website. Um, would you mind kind of talking a little bit about your foundation and, and kind of what you guys do exactly? Yeah. So, so to be clear, we, we are not our own foundation. We are a memorial fund. So it's the Keith Milano Memorial Fund, okay. which basically is a, a fund that sits and is housed at the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is a registered 501c3. Uh, so you can make a donation to AFSP designated that it goes to the Keith Milano Memorial Fund, and then it will it will go to uh, to his fund, so to speak. And then uh, we have the availability or ability to um, utilize those funds or give authorization for AFSP to use those funds in a particular way. Um, hang on one second. 
So, um, you know, we, when we, after his passing, we started to have a golf outing. We, we ended up having it for about 10 years. Um, and then it uh, basically ran its course. Um, so we, we haven't had the golf outing in a, in a several years at this point, and we kind of shifted and the golf outing was very successful. We raised quite, quite a bit of money, got a lot of support from, uh, the company that my brother-in-law worked for, which was EnviroTrack. We got a lot of support from friends, family, and, and people who wanted to, uh, help in the area of mental health and, and, you know, suicide prevention. Uh, in recent years, I guess over the last seven or eight years, we started raising money in a different way, which is, uh, through the author community writers, uh, specifically in the romance, uh, genre, uh, unbelievable community of people. Um, we, my wife was approached, I guess, like seven or eight years ago at this point by an author that said, Hey, you know, I'm coming out with a new book in May. I know it's mental health awareness month. Would you mind if I donated a portion of my proceeds from those book sales to your brother's memorial fund? And my wife said, no, that'd be great. And, um, you know, she ended up doing it. And we said, what ended up happening is my wife started promoting it for her because obviously if she got more sales, we were going to get a bigger donation. And then other authors started to contact us and say, hey, can we do the same thing? So long story short is over the last several years, we've had a group of about 40 or so romance authors that donate a portion of their proceeds uh, from their book sales for the month of May. Um, and uh, this year in 2021, we've raised in excess of about $25,000. And, you know, some years we've raised more, some years we've raised less, but I will tell you, it's an unbelievably generous and great community of people, uh, the, uh, the authors that we're involved with. And uh, year in and year out, the the uh, support gets bigger, it seems. We get more authors, we get more inquiries, and it's just been a great way to help raise awareness, help sell books for them, and at the same time, uh, you know, raise some great funds for uh, suicide prevention and uh, mental illness and the Keith Milano Memorial Fund. So that's how we've uh, done that over the last seven or eight years or so. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. I know the one of the biggest things for anything that has to do with mental health, it seems like, is a lot of people are focusing on the the victim themselves. Um, you know, the the person that's actually happening to. When in reality, it's the encompassing circle around that person that also feels it. I know. Uh, most likely with you and your family, you know, after your brother-in-law passed that there was a, a ripple effect and it, it didn't affect just him, you know, it obviously affected the rest of your family. How does that like process really look going into everything, you know, like kind of seeing what you know now and seeing how everything kind of played out and then going through the grieving process and having like a few years coming up to that, um, with other people that may be listening to this, is there anything that you can kind of say to them or like share through your story about kind of how you guys got through this? Yeah. So I, listen, everybody has their own story and everybody has their own situation. Uh, the thing I think that, um, 
you know, was, I guess, a benefit for lack of a better word for us was, I, I think, at least for me, and, and I know my wife for sure, uh, we knew we did everything we possibly could in order to help him, in order to try to get him better, get him the, the resources and the help that he needed. Um, so it was more a sense of, you know, I, I guess from my personal standpoint, I had never met anybody who died by suicide, you know, subsequently, I never met anybody who suffered from mental illness and then died by suicide. So for me, it was a tough thing drawing a line from mental health and mental illness to suicide. I kind of was under the impression that, hey, you know, you work on it, you get better. And, you know, it's like any other disease, you, you work to maintain yourself or improve your health. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But as far as the process going through it, I knew in my hearts of hearts, and my wife did as well, that we did absolutely everything that we could to try to get him over the hump and, and avoid the situation that we were in. So, you know, immediately for us, it was a matter of what could we do to help others not experience what we experienced. And one of the things that we said to, you know, said to my brother-in-law when he was sick was, you know, no matter what happened, we would never let him die in vain. And, you know, we would always tell his story in an effort to help others. And that's kind of been our mantra. And we've kind of carried that out. And that's, that's driven us and given us the ability to help countless uh, others, you know, so I don't know if that's a similar or same situation as the majority of people. I, I have a tendency from what I've seen, it seems a little bit different. A lot of times it's more of a surprise factor. I didn't realize so-and-so was suffering. Um, you know, I didn't realize they were struggling with this. Um, so for those people who are in those situations, and again, this isn't medical advice. This is my own personal advice as somebody who's gone through this, seen this, experienced it. Um, is to, you know, if you see something, whether it's a friend, a family member, a coworker, whoever, you know, and you see something that just doesn't seem right, they seem off, you know, and you talk about earlier being afraid to have those conversations, just say something. Listen, and at the end of the day, if you saying something is going to ruin or tarnish a friendship because you say something, or ask the question, in my opinion, let it be, you know, let it be. But at least if you ask the question and whether they don't uh, appreciate it and are, are turned off by it, um, maybe yes, maybe no, uh, it might eventually or might impact and save their life. So is it worth risking the friendship to potentially save a life? I say in 100% of situations, it is. And, uh, you know, I have situations where I know people who have been struggling and I reach out to them. And you know what, if they don't want to talk about it, I just let them know that I'm here uh, thinking about them. I'm here if they need to talk. There's only so much I can do, but you know, they just having them know that you're there to talk if they need it is, uh, you know, could be life changing or life saving. And I think that's really the important piece because I think most people, again, I might be biased because this is my story, but I think most people would prefer 
you know, if God forbid something happened and, you know, it, it was a fatal event for that individual, I, I think you're better off knowing that you tried to do everything you can could in order to make their life better, get them the help and know that you did everything you possibly could. Uh, you know, ult ultimately it, it led to a bad result, but at least you, you did everything you could. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, I've, I, I'm fortunate enough to say that I don't, I have yet to have anybody close to me commit suicide. Um, I've not lost any friends to that manner. Um, so my condolences go out to you. That's got to be a hard thing to go through. I know, but I have been um, like the aggressor. I have been the bully. You know, I have been like the jerk in many, many situations. Um, and it, it kind of took growing up to realize exactly what I was doing. And I feel like a lot of that kind of stems from, you know, like growing up and like dealing with like childhood bullies, you know, like years ago, and it's still going on now we have like these advertisements about stop bullying, and then it, it kind of pivoted into like the cyber bullying type thing. But I feel like it's that movement that kind of plants the base, it, it starts the conversation that we kind of now have to where mental health is a is a huge thing all over the place but it really starts with like growing growing up and maturing because that's where like especially as like young boys we learn you know to make fun of each other and you know like you're supposed to follow the crowd of what's cool and everything in elementary school everybody kind of like you want to fit in and it, it has not been the cool thing to fit in and talk about mental health uh, so i really hope that there's a a pivot to go towards it being more socially acceptable and this wave of mental health really starts to to keep going i guess um yeah i mean i i think i agree with you but i also think that there is a bit of a change in 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 those regards you know when you have uh you know individuals you know that are what i consider you know call higher profile folks that you know, young boys and girls look up to that are struggling and saying they're struggling, which didn't happen 10 years ago, didn't happen 15 years ago, but it's happening now. You know, when you have people like uh, Tony Dungy from the NFL talking about his son passing away, died by suicide. When you have, uh, you know, players like Solomon Thomas, who now plays for the Las Vegas Raiders, who lost his sister to suicide. When you have players like Elijah Holder, who plays for the Detroit Lions, who for cleats for a cause, wears uh, a pair of cleats for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention uh, because um, he lost a childhood friend to suicide. Uh, you know, I could go on and on. Dak Prescott, right, talked about mental health. Robin Leonard from the NHL. I mean, you could go on and on with the number of athletes, entertainers, uh, singers, uh, you know, that have uh, have come out and had a conversation. It's those people having those conversations and making it more mainstream that's going to improve things. And, you know, as parents, you know, I have two young kids. I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. And, you know, we've been very... Uh, forthright with them about what happened to their uncle. Uh, obviously, when they were very young, it was it was simply, hey, you know, Uncle Keith had a disease of the brain and he died from that. Um, 
And as they got older, they began to understand and know more and more. And we gave them that, gave them that information. And, you know, they understand that it's okay to get help if it's ne if they need it. They understand the, that this exists. The problem that you had uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, which still exists today, but I think is getting better is, you know, when a family member passed away, it was like, oh, Joe, you know, Uncle Joe died in an accident. You know, Uncle Joe had a heart attack at 40. Uncle Joe got into a car accident. You know, it was it was hidden. It wasn't talked about because it was taboo. I think we have the responsibility for the people that are left behind to tell that person's story in a way that's age appropriate for whoever the uh, the intended recipient is. But I think right. it's important that we tell that story to them. And there are plenty of resources out there that can guide you through how to tell that story to different age groups. But I think it's our responsibility to tell that story. And as we raise our children and grandchildren, et cetera, and raise them in that environment, you know, and show them that getting help is not uh, being vulnerable, it's being smart, and everybody has uh, times where they need assistance. It, it's it's those stories and the stories of those athletes, entertainers, and 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 other celebrities that, you know, even you know even TikTokers, I guess now are up there. You know, people look up to them. Whether you know we could argue that all day long, but uh, they get looked up to. So if they tell the story, I think it's important that they do it in in a meaningful way. And the more people that tell their story. Uh, you know, the more mainstream and comfortable our young folks are going to be in telling their own and seeking help when and if they need it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's definitely an important thing. I feel like there's a lot of people that they, it's, it's so easy to put the blame on somebody else. Um, you know, like, all right, so for instance, I hate using this example. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure how widely known it is. I know, like in the gym community, it's for some reason been a big thing, but the Simone Biles thing, she was a big advocate for mental health. It still is to this day, uh, but there was a, a controversy that kind of encompassed that whole situation um, that I'd rather not get into. Um, but I feel like the focus at times is getting brought away from the actual, the point of the conversation and trying to discredit people or what about this or what about that? And in reality, it, it, it's all about just trying to make the best versions of ourselves. Um, I think that's the, the big point there. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with the, you know, it, we want to make the best versions of ourselves. And I, I think that we're in this environment um, you know, social media is good and it is bad, right? It has its good points where people could connect now more than ever. It's bad because something gets posted and everybody thinks it's fact and it may or may not be fact. And, you know, going back to bullying and whatnot, you know, social media gives everybody a platform to say whatever they want, whether it's factual or not. And, you know, without any repercussions. And that's problematic, you know, and you, you equate that down to our young folks, you know, that's where a lot of stuff's happening. People, people are very, you know, when we were growing up, it was, you know, you go out for a few drinks and somebody got beer muscles. Well, you know, you just went out back and you settled it one-on-one, -on -one, right? Yeah. Now, you know, you don't even, there's no such thing as beer muscles. Basically you go out, you could say something online, whatever you want, and you can hide behind the keyboard 
and you don't ever have to really, you know, stand up for yourself for what you said or what you did. It's just, I'm, I'm putting it out there. So, you know, it, it is. So, you know, th there are a lot of factors that I think go into some of this controversy and, and other items, but, you know, listen, her situation is her situation. If yep. she wants to go public about it, that's up to her. Um, you know, you could debate all day long what, what it was or what it wasn't. But the bottom line is, you know, mental health is a big issue in this country. Uh, it causes, you know, billions of dollars in lost productivity. Uh, you know, if you think about it from a health insurance perspective, it's an absolute disgrace because when you think about it, your health insurance covers every part of your body for some reason, except for your brain, your eyes and your teeth. I don't know how somebody figured that out, but you know, yeah. that's, that's a way. And you know what, you want to exclude the eyes and the teeth fine, but at least we have to stand up and make changes so that, uh, you know, we're covering and making sure that we're mentally fit, we're physically fit you know, and it all has to be a part of the, uh, the total package. Yeah. It's a weird thing with the brain and insurance companies not cover. I mean, some insurance companies do cover like a certain part of the mental health aspect, but if there's something physically wrong with your brain, then they can pay to get it fixed. But if how your brain is working is wrong and they'd have no way of documenting it on paper, other than what you're telling them, then it's just not covered. It's a, it's a very, very weird system. It, it does not make sense. I know. No, and, you, and, you, and you think from scientific data, right? If the brain's working properly and you have great mental health, typically your physical health is that much better, yeah. right? You're, you're less apt to get sick. You're, you feel better. You're going to be going to work. You're going to be moving around. You're not going to be depressed. You're not going to be staying in bed. So, you know, somebody has got to have the foresight at some point to understand that we need to start really implementing great mental health along with the physical health. It's not an either, or it's definitely a together. Oh yeah. Well, I know another big thing and then I know you're busy. I can get you out of here is uh, like, you just talked about the performance and everything is athletes. Not only are, are they bringing it up as it being an issue of something that should be looked at, but they're also utilizing mental health professionals for their performance career. I know I deal with uh, like fighters and I'm sure the athletes that you've talked to can say even right now, the, the biggest fight that's happening, you know, in probably this part of the year right now is the upcoming Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight. And his big thing is, you know, I'm mentally strong. I'm mentally strong. And you'll see athletes travel with therapists or they have their therapist constantly like on speed dial and just bang FaceTime call and instantly it's right there. And it's getting your mental mind or you're getting your mindset, sorry, focused on the task at hand and really kind of sharpening the blade um, mm -hmm. to, to be able to kind of go what you go into. And it's not just athletes. It's also CEOs of large companies of small companies. You know, it's, it's really being able to sharpen your brain to get focused, to allow your body to do what it needs to do. And that's a big part of uh, mental health that I feel like isn't really so much made like a large splash in, in mainstream lately. It's just it, like, like you said, it is very behind. Um, but that's a large aspect to mental health that I really feel like people should kind of hop on the train and, and get their performance up a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you, you know, you're seeing a, a large majority of folks, you know, there's, there's been a, a large influx of business coaches because, Hey, you know, 
you, you want to be a peak performance, you, you know, you have a coach as an athlete, why not have a coach for your business? You know, you talk about life coaches is also a, a burgeoning field where people need help navigating life, right? And you're saying, you know, athletes, I, I think that the mental health component or the, the mental acuity component is tremendous. You know, the, if you can unlock the power of the mind, you could really, you know, be a high performance athlete. And, you know, some of the athletes that we've talked talk to will, you know, have told us that point blank, you know, the difference between some pros and semi pros is simply that mental acuity and being on target there, you know, physically and, and, and skill wise, everything else is the same, but mentally they have the right, um, you know, either mindset or they have people that they're working with to work on that mindset. And I, you know, if it's not taboo for them, right? Not taboo for them to be mm -hmm. working with these people. Why shouldn't everybody have somebody that, you know, maybe they don't need it all the time, but when they're not okay, they should have somebody on speed dial or on a, a zoom link where they can, you know, hop on, have a conversation and maybe recalibrate things. It's just a natural and healthy thing. You know, we go on a diet. Sometimes we start new exercise regimes all in order to better our health or change our situation. Same thing here. You know, if, if you're veering off, off course, just make a concerted effort to find professionals that can help you get back on course. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, definitely. And I know for me, uh, seeking discomfort kind of like it helps with growth, you know, on, on a daily basis. So if it's something that anybody out there is listening to and they've been thinking about it, but they're struggling of picking up that phone and making that first step, um, I highly urge you to, to actually take that lunge um, whatever avenue that you can find and you're comfortable with, go at your speed. But I do think it's it's something that everybody should look into for sure. Um, all right. Well, it's been a great talk here, Lawrence. Would you mind uh, kind of giving my listeners just a uh, a brief recap on where we can find everything for your uh, your podcast, your social media, and then again with the uh, with the foundation. Yeah, sure, Rob. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. It's always fun telling my story and, uh, you know, your listeners, I'm an open book. So if, if they have any questions, want to connect, they can feel free. Um, you know, my firm is Midland Financial, which is M-I-T-L-I-N financial.com. Uh, my podcast is Midland Money Mindset. So M-I-T-L-I-N money mindset.com, or you can find us on any of the, uh, the podcast players, uh, basically on every social media channel other than Instagram, I'm at Lawrence Sprung. On Instagram, I'm Larry Sprung. But, um, and then, uh, you know, I highly recommend if you're interested in supporting suicide prevention, take a look at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is AFSP, AdamFrankSamPaul.org. And, uh, you know, you could also support the Keith Milano Memorial Fund, which can be found at KeithMilano.org. So, you know, again, the easiest way is if you Google my name, Lawrence Sprung, most of this will come up. Feel free to connect. I'd be happy to have, you know, a conversation with anybody who uh, needs help, wants to support the cause, or just has a, uh, a question. Nice. All right, Lawrence, I really appreciate your time. Go ahead and, uh, and get you out of here and get you back to work. So, so thank you again for doing this. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for sharing your story and uh, providing this platform. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks.